women seeking seeking um, personal therapy, and also also because more um, black therapists are becoming visible as well. So there's so so they can see themselves in the profession, and they can see themselves in terms of potential um, um, potential professionals that they'll feel more comfortable to identify and also to work with. So that's that's what that's what I would say. Yeah, so that, that's, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Um, someone Definitely, going along yeah. and seeing someone who looks, you know, see someone who looks like us and we can relate, they can relate. You know, there's a lot of things you don't have to kind of worry about. So would you say that that's yeah. kind of making people more comfortable? Because um, I know years ago it was like talking about mental illness or, you know, just um, having some counselling or, or um, psychotherapy was frowned upon, especially in our community. Yeah, um, I think it definitely has helped. Um, there have been a, and I mean, I've had a number of conversations professionally as well as personally with people who have said they have um, gone to see, let's say, a non-black therapist or particularly a, a non-black um, therapist of colour, and they felt that it's been a, it's been a struggle to really connect, um, or they've, they've they felt that they've had to kind of explain themselves in uncertain. So, so definitely, there's been a number of um, stories where people have just have said they haven't they struggled to connect with the therapist who who wasn't black or particularly if they were white and they found it challenging to to really connect with them. Um, that's not to say also I have to say that there are also people who who aren't bothered um, about about the let's say the. The, the background or the ethnic background of the therapist that they are working with some people but it, it's really about what is your need mm-hmm. so that, I think that's a, that's, a, that's, that's a crucial part is what is your need if you if you want to have um, a, a, a black therapist then are you able to easily ex- um, access one and get hold of one and I think that's more the issue but obviously if you if you're not bothered then it doesn't really matter but if you do want are you able to get one? And that's particularly more of an issue when you when you go through the public sector um, counselling services, like um, obviously like IAPT, which is um, improving access to to psychological therapies, which is part of what the, the NHS provides. Um, and it's going to be kind of borough dependent. It's going to be locality dependent. So outside of let's say London, Birmingham, Manchester, and so forth, there's on the side. If you're a black person living in, in outside the main cities and you want to have a um, a black therapist, do you do you are you able to get one? Um, and, and these are some of the other the other the other issues as well. Right. Yeah. So um, even though there's more therapists out in the um, system, um, obviously depending on location where you are, you may not be, have access. And obviously that could be a problem if that's if you specifically require somebody. Um, exactly. the same um, ethnic background so there's yeah. still there's still things that need to be sorted in you know for mental health for the mental health of the BAME community definitely mm. you know, definitely there's so much yeah, yeah, so many, there's, there's so many things not just say this there, there is there is so many um, in terms of um, meeting the needs of um, of of specifically African African Caribbean community um, in terms of the the, our exposures to different stresses in terms of our current um, life experiences, in terms of historical um, experiences, and all those things 
feed it into the context of, of helping to understand um, people's challenges, but also how people how people deal with those challenges, how people express those challenges, um, may not be how the let's say white majority um, culture um, expresses it, understands it, um, conceptualizes it. So sometimes this is where the mismatch can be because you because there might be an, an expectation of if you are distressed, you're going to present in this particular way whilst other people may not necessarily present in the same way. So, so then it's like, okay, how, how, how do professionals understand what the person is trying to communicate or, or is, is, is showing? So having a different worldview and a different mindset on things, um, you know, is going to, could pose a, a big problem. And um, yeah. as you said, being this, this, this diagnosed um, for people, um, sometimes you know the way someone might deal with a situation is going to be different than maybe the general public, you know, um, might see it. Uh, you know, the native public might see it. So again, is that kind of a, a problem? Like um, maybe something where the person probably just needs to talk to somebody, and you know, they're going through a temporary situation, and they might end up kind of being diagnosed for a long term situation is that is that kind of what happens um it's more about how the symptoms are um interpreted so um, so the, so i think they'll say that let's say um a black 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 people um black, black people are more black men are more let's say um can be diagnosed as schizophrenic whilst let's say a white person might be bipolar presenting similar symptoms so that's where the people obviously the politically um, the kind of the words that you hear about is unconscious bias or all these things is, is that the uh, psychiatric services and and the use of particularly um, DSM which is a diagnostic statistical manual um, says if a person has a certain group of symptoms displayed in a particular way over let's say a particular length of time then it will indicate that the person has this particular issue um, and this is where the diagnosis comes into play but those diagnosis relies on the correct interpretation so this is where human kind of prefer, um, conscious that well, the people's biases come into play is that the same, the same group, of, group of symptoms are interpreted in different ways for different people right and um that having more people in the system, as in working in the system, is it yeah. does it make it any easier, or do you find you, you know it, your voice is not able to be heard amongst the you know the noisy majority, or is it making um, a difference? It is like like a other like so many aspects of let's say the public health sector, the public the public sector, is about position. It's about positions of power. Positions of power and influence. So, even within the mental health system, there are a lot of, um, let's say, black people working in those in those um, in those systems. But what positions do they hold? Therefore, are they are they make are they in a position to make? Um, inf- are they in position to influence decision making? Are they inf- are they in position to in- influence policies and so forth? Commissioning of of different things. So. That's why um, the conversations around 
black people being part of the system is is important, but also we also we also have to caveat that by saying that it's about positions of power as well, and also having. Um, I think something that someone said recently uh, that that, that um, stood, kind of caught my attention as well is that you need to have like a like a like a group. A minute, you need to have like a, like a core number of people because one person in a position of power by themselves won't change. Won't, won't lead to a fundamental change. But you need you need a, a, a core of people with the same mindset. Striving to 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 achieve the same thing, um, so that it doesn't just become almost like a um, what's it, what's a phrase that I, I've I've heard is basically um, oh sorry yeah, it's a phrase that yeah yeah um, well it's basically it's the fact that if, if that person goes then that's it so um, well. But, but you need a core of people um, trying to, with the same mindset, trying to achieve the same thing. So definitely having more people, whether it's in the mental health system, whether it's in NHS, um, the general, NH, um, general NHS, whether it's for different aspects of, of the criminal justice system, all, they're all very, very important. But it's also about, about are they in position to influence key, key um, decision-making aspects of that particular sector. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk to you about Windrush and COVID-19, but before that, yeah. what can people do? What can we do in the community um, to help the system, uh, to, to help what's going on with um, black people and, and maybe misdiagnosis and different things that, you know, is not satisfactory at all? Um, what would you say that families can do or just people in general as a community? What can we do collectively? I think it's always there's there's always um, a, mod, a multi multi pronged approach with a lot of these things in terms of there needs to be um, pressure applied from the outside um, as well as obviously if you are in the inside trying to use your the various positions you you have or, or, or whether it's collectively coming through different associations whether it's using the kind of the reporting mechanisms. So it's um, lobbying, um, advocating, ca- campaigning. It, so it all depends on the nature of the situation, but also where you are and what you, what you have access to. So quite often as well as actually, even if you can't do anything, do you, are you able to um, tag on to a, a, bigger, a bigger collective? Do you have the opportunity to network and to... Um, Kind of trying to create alliances in a way that will help you to push your message forward. Um, so it really, really depends on on the on 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 the issue. Obviously, if you've got a family within um, who's who is in the mental health system and you're not happy with, with, with what's happening, it's about knowing your rights. Because quite often, the mental health system is is in terms of the medical aspect of it. It's also a very legal process. In terms of, it's a very much about knowing your 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 legal rights if you are caught up in the mental health system as well. In terms of um, how 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 long you can be sectioned for, um, what rights do you have to appeal? Um, do you, do you, in terms of having a um, an advocate or getting an, an independent advocate? In terms of the different forums to appeal, whether it's a tribunal. Whereas um, through the associate, associate um, hospital managers um, process, so 
quite often it's about knowing your legal rights when it comes to the mental health system as well. Wow. So, yeah. So we need some legal people to um, come together with people who's passionate about doing something in this um, in this se- sector. And, and that's the thing, Kwame. How, would, in terms of the different things that um, go, you know, that we're going through in the in the black community, where would you say yeah. mental health is? Is that sort of at the top of things, or would you say other health issues? I mean, I know this is your specialty. You don't probably deal with yeah. the other things. But would you say it's we're in a really would you say we're in a really de- delicate situation right now, or would you say um, there's other things that maybe you know might take um, might might go come before that? Um, I mean, it's obviously the, 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 the kind of the phrase can be like mental health is wealth, and and everything mental health is the bedrock for for anything else that you might do. But ultimately, there is uh, there's different. Um, physical and mental health concerns within within the community, um, and I think that's what COVID has, has definitely shown is that um, health inequalities and issues around um, around health are, are are there within our community. So mental health is an aspect of it, but obviously, aspects of physical health um, has been shown to be a major issue in terms of diabetes and so forth. That uh, has made more black people um, susceptible to to be adversely impacted by COVID. So it's not one thing or the other. Um, but I think, in a sense, in a sense, the talk about um, unresolved trauma and stress has has a, an impact on physical and mental health. So it's not one thing or the other. I think I, I think I think that's what that's I think that's what that's what I'll say is that um, stress and unresolved trauma has an impact on both long. Uh, has an impact on both mental and physical health and so just a, just a case of depending on a person's particular circumstances just how it, it expresses itself will, will either be through the mind or through the body yeah. or both at the same time yeah yeah because um the, you know in some people would say the body and the mind is, is one you know just yeah the body, the body expresses what's going on in the mind and so they yeah. work hand in hand um yeah I want to talk just briefly on, before we, we go a little bit deeper into COVID-19, um, so yeah. self-care, what can people do? What would you say um, people should do, especially people who are really stressed or have very stressful jobs or have a very stressful life? Maybe they're going through difficulties or, um, because I think trauma, people don't always realise that, it, you know, trauma can be um, so many different things. So I don't know if you would like to highlight some of that and then also what people could do to help themselves in the, in the meantime. Sure, I mean, self, self-care self um, really is about um, making an intentional effort to do something. For me, it's making an intentional effort to do something on a regular basis, which enables you to kind of decompress, enables you to enjoy, have fun, relax, um, rest, recover. These are all variants of it, but quite often it's something that has to be built into your lifestyle as well. So we're not talking about just going for one spa weekend and then everything's fine after, everything's fine after that. Um, ideally, self-care is something that you do on a regular basis, whether it's once a week, every two weeks. Um, so even like people, some people say like spend like 10 minutes a day just like um, trying to like meditating or relaxing or, or, or something like that. But Essentially, you have to do. It's it's best to be done on a regular basis. Something that also maybe has some some level of um, 
movement. I wouldn't say yeah. uh, kind of, I wouldn't say, say, say going to the gym, but some some that's a physical physically based activity that requires some level of movement. Um, that will also help to release quite a lot of tension as well mm-hmm. um, and stress. So, but equally for some people, it might be just sitting down and, and knitting um, for for twenty minutes, half an hour, reading a book. So there's so many variations. So read about finding what works for you. Um, but also something that's doing something that's varied. So not not just one thing all the time. Um, finding a combination of different activities that that kind of um, touches on different aspects of you, whether it's physically, mentally, spiritually as well. Um, so yeah, so that's why that's why it's very hard to be it's, it's very hard to be prescriptive, but it's really about um, becoming attuned into your own um, let's say triggers as well and your own symptoms. Uh, kind of become aware of your own symptoms of when you get stressed. How do you express it? Do you withdraw? Do you become more irritable? Do you become more aggressive? Do you start getting headaches? Do you start getting upset stomach? Um, so, so there's also different signs of stress that we all exhibit and it's trying to find out what, what your particular one is so that when it, when it starts to build up, you go, oh, okay, this is what this is what tends to happen when I'm getting stressed. So I need to make sure that if you haven't been doing your self-care routines, is I need to actually make a point of, start, of starting to do it so that I don't wait till I get to a particular tipping point before I, I, I start doing it. And that's a key with self-care is trying not, not, not to get to a breaking point, but actually trying to build into your into your lifestyle so that so that it is something that is not seen as a chore, but something that's integrated into your everyday life. Oh, I love that answer there. Um, and I think it's so important. And I think what you said there is makes so much sense as well, because if you think of health, it should be your physical, mental, spiritual and emotional. So what I'm hearing you say is do something to, you know, enhance or to, you know, self-care on all those areas. So yeah. that way you're kind of covering all bases um, mm. and also look out for the signs. You know, everyone's got different ways of um, exhibiting stress. So no yeah. stress, you know, outlet. How do you output stress and, you know, get there, you know, get there in time before you go too far and it becomes the norm for you is, is that the thing that yeah. is that what happens you know like say someone is constantly stressed and you know getting really high, high rate and you know on a on a daily basis on maybe several times a day is that something that beca- can become a habit and then become quite detrimental to somebody's health where it might have just started with maybe a stressful job or you're in a stressful relationship or something and then it just becomes your norm and later on down the road it can lead to all sorts of um, um, health issues. Yeah, and that's essentially, I mean, that's that's the the thing around around some people. Kind of sometimes, sometimes is used um, interchangeably of, of pressure and stresses that over a short period of time is kind of it's fine, and some people need it, some people like it, some people thrive on it. But anything over anything that happens, let's say at a um, at a strenuous way over a long period of time is detrimental to your health. So it's not so you might be able to cope in the short term, but it's something that persists. If you're kind of let's say as a student, you might do a you might pull a, a, a an, an, an all nighter and to get to get your your assignment done. 
and that's over like one that's over like one day two days that's fine you can like your body often can can um, deal with that but let's say if you're doing a dissertation and you're trying to do that for seven days straight at some point your body would say no you can't that's not that's not healthy i can't deal with that so i'm just using that as a small example but if you kind of kind of um, apply that to other 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 things if you are exceeding the, the i guess the limits and capacity of your body over a long period of time then at some point it will reach a breaking point so it's about um that, that old saying of uh, moderation in in all in all things that you're doing don't overdo it the body, the body can... don't overdo it mm. So yeah, don't overdo it. And if it's if it's if it's if it's over a short period of time, then it, for, for for most people, it it's um, sustainable to a to a degree. Um, but obviously, in terms of your sometimes age as well is a factor. Like when you are when you are younger, you know people can go party and then go to work and then no problem. Oh, yeah. After a while, after a while, you kind of need your six hours or your seven hours or your eight hours. If not, you can't function. So yeah. You also have to know your body. You also have to know yourself no, as well in terms of in terms of what are your own natural limits. Because some people can can be okay on four hours or three hours. Other people will say, "I need my seven hours sleep or, or eight hours sleep. Otherwise, I can't function." Mm. So, if you know that, then you have to kind of factor that in as well. Yeah. So make sure that you're you're getting what you need, and it's different for everybody. But if you know yourself, yeah. um, you will know whether you need three hours or eight hours, seven hours, what, what have you. Yeah, yeah. Kwame, when we, when we yeah. last spoke, when we last spoke, um, life was very different than it is right now. I haven't spoken Indeed. to you since the whole COVID-19 and I'm glad to hear you're all right and I'm not all right. And But yeah. so many people though, unfortunately, um, haven't you know have gone through so much there's, there's been lots of deaths um people yes. have um, had problems you know and that's the thing i want to ask you have you seen an increase in the mental health um across the board um or particularly in the in the baby community and and also i want to ask you initially that there, there was a lot of um a lot of media going out about you know the baby community being more susceptible yeah. Um, yeah. what, what do you know? What can you tell us from you know your knowledge of COVID nineteen? Um, to to be honest with you, actually, you know what? Um, to start with, the rumours were that it doesn't really affect black people. Yeah, I don't you remember that. Yes, I remember that very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So initially, there was a sense of of it's, um, we we are okay. It's not really about it's not really about us. Um, so it became so. Actually, there was a false sense of security to start with within within the the within within the black community, mm-hmm. and then obviously, um, then obviously we became aware that actually it impacts everybody. Um, it, it in terms of like potentially to have it has a potential to impact everybody equally. Um, obviously, research and data then started to come up to show that black, uh, particularly black and Asian people, were being disproportionately impacted by. It. COVID and and there was the the data was there in terms of numbers but the lack was a lack of understanding which is which has been refined over the months in terms of um, black people were were in more vulnerable occupations 
so leading them to have more, potentially more um, exposure and therefore a greater chance of them um, catching it and, and having the worst aspects of it. So these were some of the things that have come up over the last few like the, the, the last few months. Um, in terms of the impact of COVID and mental health, I think um, initially I th- it took a while for that to happen. But I think obviously most of it was the lockdown, the impact of lockdown, which has taken a while to come through. Um, but the biggest thing really is the amount of um, grief and um, unresolved grief for for people who have lost um, loved ones within within COVID. Um, and particularly, I think for the Black and Asian communities as well, I think another big factor is the fact that we haven't been able to, a lot of people who have experienced losses, haven't been able to mourn the, in the way that they would culturally mourn loved ones. Uh, obviously in terms of lockdown restrictions and meetings and um, you know gatherings that we would normally have when someone passes away, Particularly in the in the midst of the lockdown, um, people couldn't people couldn't do that. People couldn't go to funerals. Um, so so people haven't had a chance to really um, to 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 mourn the loss of friends and family um, in a way that they would they would traditionally would do. Um, so there's that unresolved grief that I think is there for is there for a lot of people who have lost loved ones over over the last six seven months um so i think that's something that is probably is is in the background within the community as well um and i mean it's something i posted on social media about the kind of strategies for potentially doing that is um now that things have eased and even though it's gone back slightly but is to hold um kind of either group um um group kind of gatherings for people that they've lost um, and people who have who have been buried but they haven't able to attend funerals. It's almost like having to do something in your own time. So organizing our as a friendship group or as families um, when when at, an, at another time when when the meeting points are, are a bit bigger again is to say obviously somebody has been buried. We weren't, we weren't all able to go but we would like to do a service. We would like to do a um, 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 what's it called? Um, memorial. Want to do some sort of gathering, some sort of event to to um, honour the person, the person's path and um, passing. So we have to be almost inventive now in how we how we um, grieve and mourn the loss of our friends and family um, through through these times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just been you know so devastating for people and. Um, Hearing some of the stories has just been, you know, really awful. And like you said, you know, I think people always got um, comfort from being able to come together and have the gatherings and have that support and, um, you know, people's, you know, just feeling as though, yeah, at least you're not going through it on your own. But hearing these stories about, you know, five people can only attend 10 people and you just, Yeah. yeah, I mean... So whole families couldn't even go along to their loved ones, yeah. um, you know, which is heartbreaking. So, yeah, wow. So uh, I've heard, I don't know how true it is, but I heard that we will probably have another lockdown before the year's out. What have you heard? Uh, 
It's. I mean, I, I think I I read um, a story this evening by um, the prime minister saying another national lockdown will be it will be a disaster. Um, so even from the first round of lockdown, where there was a slow, as there was a slowness to implement a full lockdown, it seems as though they are going out. It seemingly, I'm just a personal point of view. They're seemingly going out of out of the way for another lockdown not to happen. Um, okay. But 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 I mean, even even now with the with going down to England, going going down to six meeting meetings of, of of six people, but you can still go to work. You can still go to a restaurant. You can still do different things. Yeah. It is that idea of yeah. It's hard to understand how the logic works for those types. You know, you you can eat in a restaurant, no mask, and. You know, it, you can have a full restaurant, I, I, is what I'm hearing. But so many yeah. other things, you know, it's limited. You know, um, it's so limited. Um, and some, yeah. things, and then, some things are totally cut off. Yes. Yes. And then, and then you've got Scotland has set a slightly different implementation of the same rules. Wales has different implementation. So the question becomes, if it's based on the same data and the same science, mm. why the... The different inconsistencies um, from kind of country to country. So these are the things that maybe again we're not privy to the fullness of the decision making, but on the surface we we we, we see it as as inconsistencies, and therefore it leads a lot of people to have mistrust in the decision making of authority figures. Exactly, uh, and that's happening more and more. I think now there's such big numbers. Um, people are protesting every every other week um, yeah. because you know they just don't feel right about you know what's going on. And I know it's schools. I know schools um, parents are, are, are very worried sending their children to school. I know my daughter um, has been worried about you know sending the, especially the little one to school yeah. and so many other parents as well. Um, yeah, what would you say about that with with children? I know there's there's a, you know, they've said that children do not um, exhibit the symptoms or they do not suffer, you know, the illness, even if they have the, the symptoms. Uh, sorry, even yeah. if, they, if they have COVID-19. Um, what's your thoughts on that with young? Because I know you specialise in um, young people, maybe from a different aspect, but have you got anything yeah. on this? Again, again, it's, it's the, what is the... The science and the and the rationale for the decisions they're making, because even if children are asymptomatic, um, asymptomatic, and in terms of the, the symptoms presentation, the, the, the teachers the teachers are so, are still susceptible to get it. The um, family members um, of those children are still are still potentially able to get it. So, um, hence why. In the midst of, of the lockdown, where people are shielding, it wasn't just the person that was vulnerable, but quite often, if you live in a very vulnerable household, you also had to shield as well because there was a recognition that you could pass on the symptoms, the the virus, onto the people that that were shielding. So, has that changed? I don't know. If if, if um, obviously the infection rates has um, it's it's not at as high as it was previously, so there's a sense of flattening the curve and so forth. But if there is a spike, then what happens then? Um, so children may be okay, but everybody else around them is, is still equal, is still as 
vulnerable to the virus as, as ever before. But, you know, what I'm thinking of is with children, the, the, you know, for them to be in a world now where they've got to be masked up in class for hours on end and yeah. they're not allowed to, to, you know, hug their friends, touch their friends and, you know, yeah. what, are, what are we creating with children who, you know, who's not able to kind of socialise and children are so, social creatures, you know, what is it going to do to our children? Um, and grandchildren and, and what have you, um, yeah. if they have to live this way. And we don't know, it's indefinitely, isn't it, for now? For now, I know they're saying it might be another year or so um, of some of these measures and some of these protocols and so forth. And I think it's trying to find a balance between um, kind of public health and the needs um, to contain a very infectious virus with the well-being of the majority of the population um and it's and i don't i wouldn't want to be in those those rooms and meetings make, making some some of these decisions but at the same time it's trying it's trying to strike it's trying, it's trying to it's trying to strike the right balance but what that what that line is obviously is what everyone's keep keeps on questioning for 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 for, for good reasons as well but i think as parents and as family members, um, if you've got young children, it, it is trying to talk to them, it's trying to give them an outlet for some of the anxieties that they may be having, some of the frustrations that they may be having, um, and it's, it's trying to role model for them how best to manage this situation, because it, it is a temporary situation which is very, which is very stressful for all of us in different ways, and it's, and it's a way of, of how do we help them to manage this particular stress, um, and how do we try to do it in a, in a as healthy way as possible? So, obviously, depending on the age of the child and the maturity of the child, is trying to explain to them as much as give them as much information as possible, which is age appropriate. Um, give them opportunity to ask questions, give them opportunity to express their thoughts and feelings about what it is that's going on and 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 how that makes them feel and um and 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 all those things as well um but ultimately we it's trying also to keep in mind for everybody the bigger picture of why there's a need to do what we're doing right now because ultimately some people have become blase to some of the protocols and some of the needs of of um of of covid um safety protection um measures also but then if you speak to somebody that has had a loss i'm sure they then they will very much be very much like this is what needs to be done um, and, and this is why it needs to be done. So, um, with a lot of these things, is is please don't wait till you're personally affected before you take it seriously. Good point. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and one more thing I want to ask about the COVID nineteen is um, people struggling with their mental health. People have committed suicide. Yeah. Um, people have gone into deep depression. Um, yeah. You know, because of job losses and you know debts mounting up, and you know it's causing breakups in um, relationships. Um, yeah. What would you say about all that? Um, so just to add to that as well, there's that I know the, the, the stats have, have um, been coming up about the amount of um, domestic violence that has um, increased during 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 lockdown. Yeah. Um, 
um, and also alcoholism as well in terms of, um, in terms of people's people using alcohol as as, as coping mechanism as, as a coping mechanism because largely because it's very, very accessible. Um, I think it's just it's just a demonstration of the level of of collective stress that this situation has placed on um, on, on on us as a society and and as a population, and also it's. Um, it's also kind of kind of demonstrated, obviously, the fact that these are unique circumstances where people have been forced, for a lot of people, have been forced to stay at home, have been forced to to almost live on top of each other for an, an extended period of time, and these are all the the unhealthy expressions of stress. Um, so it kind of shows how much. In our everyday lives, we, we because because we're not put into this particular situation, we haven't had to deal with it before. So, this is a um, it's a challenging time because it, it's it's requiring different things of, of us as as people, and also again it becomes it comes down to self self awareness. It comes down to emotional regulation. It comes down to um, kind of expressions of of behaviors. Um, rather than kind of responses to actually, I appreciate that I'm I'm stressed. I, I recognize I'm stressed. This is how I'm going to deal with it. So there's a lot of reacting and reacting to to stress rather than responding to stress, um, and um, and people's unhealthy um, behaviors are obviously coming to the fore because of because of this because of, because of what they're going through. Yeah, I mean, as you said there, you know, just being forced to stay at home and if you're in a family unit, um, that is nice. But um, seven days a week, month after month after month after month, yeah. what what can families do? What can people do? What can couples do? What can people living on their own who's struggling? Because yeah. some people are, are just yeah. left on their own and they don't know what to do. What yeah. about yeah. all these? Yeah, yeah, there's so many different aspects there's, exactly. there's, there's, there's people exactly. living on top of each other and then there's exactly. people who are like oh my god you know exactly there's so many there's such a wide spectrum of circumstances because you have people let's say who are living you know when 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 the first when the lockdown first started they were talking about okay go out for, go out for one day a week into your oh, garden yeah, I know. <laughs> when it's like well everybody has a garden so exactly. what do they do not, not Nobody has a balcony. What do they do? Um, so there are aspects of the spectrum is, is is people who are who have been who have been lonely because they're living by themselves. Um, whether whatever age they are, if you're if you're living by yourself and and you're by yourself for an extended period of time, that's unhealthy. Um, so there's issues of loneliness. There's issues of of um, stress because of kind of let's say. Um, number of people in a let's say smallish living space, which is another issue as well, is that you maybe live in the flat, but because you could, everybody comes and goes, it's not an issue. But if you're all at home at the same time, day after day, the house the house can become very very small, the flat can be very very small. Um, so you've got that, and also you've got dynamics of um, unhealthy relationships, and whether it's family relationships, whether it's whether it's romantic relationships that haven't had the focus because normally people get on with their lives and but when you're at home all the stuff that you haven't dealt with you now you know is now staring at you so so if you haven't had a, if you if you've not been having a good relationship with your husband and uh, wife partner 
um, but you've been avoiding each other because you've been working wherever, wherever it is. Now you both keeping busy, but now you're working from home and or you're you're, you're furloughed and you're you're at home or you're not working. There's no escape from from the situation. Um, similarly, if you've got unhealthy relationship, uh, kind of unhealthy relationships with your with your with, with your children, again, all, all these things. So it's it's like a it's a micro, it's a microscope on top in terms of actually what what is what is what is the health of your of your relationship your relationships um and is basically exacerbating what what might be might have been there um in the first place in terms of um solutions it requires you to have a bit of insight and a bit of self-awareness to try to i think build um resilience within within the the, the relationship or the family system. So, as couples, um, in a sense, let's say I'll keep it simple. We've got, let's say we're couples. You may say, okay, well, if we're both, I think that I mean there was, there was really there was really really good tips even on, on the NHS website and stuff like that, which would be if you're working from home, try to maybe again space space dependent. Try to work with rooms like don't both be in the front room on your laptop or wherever it is at the same time all day like actually one, one person can go to a different room you go and so it's like almost like creating space away from each other as well because that's one of the things that i think people have been taking for people can take for granted is actually even if you're a family or a couple or it, you need it makes like it, you, you need, need actually yeah you need some space from each other so, so if you are in a, a group situation, you might need to create time and space away from each other if you have to be together all day, every day. So how do you try, so again, how do you become inventive? So in a time that you have your, you were particularly like where people go for the one hour walks, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you have to go, go out with each other. <laughs> just actually, actually, that's your time to kind of just explore, walk about for yourself. yourself. Um, yeah. Um, something I've said in a different context as well is that also as couples or families is that okay how do we knowing that this is quite a stressful situation how do we how do we argue how do we how do we almost say okay if we're going to argue about something let's let's almost prepare ourselves for the fact that that that, that we're going to disagree we're going to argue so how how to make sure that we kind of fight fair how do we how how, so how do we make sure that we basically you almost like create a template for yourself to say okay if we've got issues or whatever it is this is how we're going to try and deal with it it's not going to be perfect but you are being proactive and you're being um um conscious about okay the fact that we will have challenges so this is how we're going to try and deal with it either as a family or, or or as a couple you know, I like that, what you just said there, because, you know, even in relationships in general, it is so important for people to realise that, you know, human beings are not perfect and there's going to be challenges. And what I'm hearing you say, have a contingency plan ahead of time and know that, you know, especially in these sort of environments where people are clustered together, um, you know, know in advance, yeah, we are going to have some issues. So prepare yourself and have something planned. So I think that's really yeah. good. That can really save yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, and also, so coming back to, um, I think some of the one of the questions asked about what what can people do as well. Also, I think one of the things that has been advised is also the use of technology, particularly if you're living by yourself or there's a sense of loneliness. Is using if again, I'm not saying everyone everybody has it, but if you do have if you do have the means, 
using technology to 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 try to stay connected with people obviously it does not substitute for personal relationships and that physical um connection to, through kind of going out socializing and so forth but at the moment in time we have to adapt to the circumstances and say okay so if we can't do what we what we like to do or normally would do how else can we kind of have a a semblance of it so again using users online support groups or online kind of meetups or different different forums um using technology to try to 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 stay connected with people um and i think particularly in the midst of lockdown other like one of the things was to kind of video call people rather than text people or or or, or, or use or use like like a normal kind of phone call yeah. but actually use every opportunity to to try to connect to people so try and do a video a whatsapp call rather than just a text message if you if you are if you're if you're communicating with somebody so these were like some of the some some of the small things that people could do or even can do now is is using is using technology i know it can get a bad rap in terms of social media and so forth but actually it's it's a it's a medium which can be used um if used right Right, awesome. That, that's a really good tip there. Um, you know, finding alternatives um, and you don't have to kind of suffer in silence and be totally isolated. But um, mm. it, you, you can't sort of um, replace the human connection. You know, seeing seeing a person, touching a person, you know, like hugging and all the yeah. rest of it. But obviously we've got to do what we've got to do at this time. And those are great tips. Um, so... What I want to ask you at this time, is there anything that you would like to share with us about mental health and uh, or anything that you feel we haven't covered so far and um, that you'd like to share with the listening audience? Um, I think we've spoken about COVID and, um, COVID and, and after COVID came um, the death of George Floyd and the um, yes. And the global reaction, and the global reaction has had has had to that. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your thoughts? My, yes. Yeah, so I think my experience, well, my personal experience on top of that is that I had more people coming forward for for therapy after that than before. In terms of COVID and lockdown, has been stressful, but I think. The, um, the global reaction to the killing of George Floyd was was something that really did spark um, a sea change in how um, people were, were thinking of being. I think it became a tipping point for a lot of people in many ways, but also became a, a catalyst for people to um, get in touch with some of the experiences over a lifetime that um, they they felt that in some way that they, they had to um, get over and move on from. Um, but actually, this was a catalyst for people to stop and to stop and reflect and to explore um, their relationship with race and racism um, in their lives as well as in in British in British um, society. So it definitely became um, a catalyst for for people to come forward um, to to to, to uh, therapy because I think there was a lot of conversations about race appropriately as well about race and racism. But also, it became overwhelming to, to some to some extent as well, and people needed a space to to process what what they were feeling, thinking, and feeling. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were so many um, celebrities coming out and saying, you know, what they've yeah. gone through, and yeah, just my story. Yeah, uh, 
and people just you know talking about all different things and I and I think I think um, people kind of just accepted for a long time and didn't realize that you know this was a kind of trauma that people was accepting and I think with everyone with people realizing oh my god you know we need to talk about this people realizing yeah. they've been carrying these things for years because people yeah. were digging out really yeah. old stories you know um, mm-hmm. when something they'd gone through someone might have said something or the micro um, aggressions I think they call it yeah where yeah, you know, micro- yeah, yeah. is that where someone's kind of being a little bit they're not being outright but yeah you can feel it you can feel the, the yeah 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 yeah, so, yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right there in terms of um, a lot of um, everyday, particularly everyday racism had become so normalised that it's just things that, it's just things that people just say, oh, just, it just, they kind of just chalk, just, kind of, we, we just kind of just chalk it down to another, just another one, um, it's another one, it's another, another one, so it just becomes, ah, oh, here we go again, so it becomes so, everyday racism has become so normalised that people didn't even stop to think to, to, to process it, it's just that, oh, whatever but actually it has it, it, been a build-up it had been a build there's been a build-up coming and and i think this what happened with george floyd um became it became a, a, a catalyst for a lot of people to actually to, to pause and to reflect and to explore the impact of um of explicit racism but also everyday racism on 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 their lives and on the on on how they think and feel about themselves, about identity, about their place in British society, um, a lot of things. So yeah, friendships, relationships. Um, but yeah, it's, it was it, it it was a very very. Uh, I said it, it was a very very. It's, it's been a pivotal moment in many ways, not necessarily in leading to fundamental systemic change, but in a lot of people's personal lives, it was it was it has been a pivotal moment. Hello. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I thought we lost you there for a minute. Yeah, sorry. Um, Kwame. Yeah. What, what was that last bit you just dropped off a little bit there? Okay. No. I'm just saying that um, that it's been a pivotal moment for a lot of people in their personal lives. It not necessarily for fundamental systemic change, but it's been a pivotal moment as made people um, stop to reflect on the impact of racism on them and and their lives. Um, and I think I think that can only be a good thing, but it's also been a very overwhelming for for um, a number of people. Um, particularly if if there hadn't been that ongoing conversations about race and racism in their lives, and then all of a sudden they're kind of confronted with it, and it's, and it's been, they've been inundated with everyone telling like the racism story, and it's like oh, so but, um, but yeah, so in a sense it, it had become or it, it became overwhelming for some people because of the amount of conversations and the amount of um just publicity around it um are you, are you talking about people who are not in the in the community not in the black community you say because um as much as there's been all this um compassion towards what happened with um george floyd that's also yeah. brought up because um, someone sent me a clip of what's the name of this? I can't remember his name. Is it Davidson? Somebody Davidson who has been really disgusting about um, um, I can't remember the name of the chap, but he's a he's a group dancer and they did they did oh diversity diversity, diversity that's it yeah yeah um, and that was he was just so horrid you know 
and a lot of people you know it has caused a, a kind of split where some people are like you know this is getting too much publicity this is you know this is too much and it's not as bad as people are making out um again going back to what you were saying earlier on about having a different world view um yeah because you know you have to walk that person's walk in those person that person's shoes to know what it's like for them on a daily basis because i um, yeah. yes I, i've read something where someone said um a black person said you know most of the stress that um, black people encounter is when they go through their front door and they have to kind of you know brace themselves because you don't you know you just don't know what you're going to come across as you go about your daily tasks yeah and i think is it also depends on like what um what, where you work what kind of what 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 you are exposed to in your everyday life um how much of your authentic self do you feel that that what you, you feel you can be or how much of yourself you feel you have to, you have to censor um exactly. to, yes. to to get on in your in your work in professional life um also i think the the in terms of the diversity um, the diversity performance in terms of other aspects of um Black Lives Matter um, reaction in this country, from well, from my personal point of view, really, is also about uh, the idea about um, the British. I think F. Hirsch talks about something like the, the, the British amnesia when it comes to race um, and the almost like on a systemic level, on a collective level, they want to take credit for abolishing slavery, but not for the fact that they profited from from slavery. Uh, it's also the idea that that Britain Britain is different from America. So I think part of the the pushback to BLM initially was the fact that it was seen as an American import. It was seen as why why are why 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 is this BLM stuff coming over here? Because it's it's, it's about police brutality in America. So why are people protesting over here? Um, it's not it's not that bad over here. We don't have people being shot over here. Um, like we do in America, but we forget that that dozens of, of people have been killed in police in police custody, or 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 have died following contact with the police over many 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 years in this country. And there's been a feeling of lack of accountability and 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 um, and, and injustice around that. Um, so I think I think that so I think some of the Societal push the the white majority white majority pushback has been also to, with the idea that it's it, it's an American issue it's not a British issue. You know, and you you saying about the many people dying in custody, police custody. Someone came on the show and said the figures were well over a thousand people okay. who died. You know, in just dealing with the, the the police and they've not come back home. So I mean. Yeah. Then someone, anyone thinking that this is an American issue only, um, with those figures, is it's yeah, they, they're obviously very, they're definitely not aware of what's going on, and I, and I think that that's what it is. That it's it shows that even though we're all sharing the same space, all living in the same you know country, a lot of people are either turning a blind eye to a, a blind eye to a lot of things, or they just are not aware. Of what it's like for other people mm. to share the same space. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I think that's something. One of the some some would say that that that's the epitome of, of um, privilege is that is that you you are able to 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 say I don't want to know about that. Yeah, 
So, yeah, because again, a lot of people are saying, what privilege, you know, I've got this problem yeah. and that problem and, you know, sort of problems that everyone faces. But, yeah. we, you know, the difference is we've got all those problems too. And then on top of it, you know, you've got exactly. this exactly. as well. So that's, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the issues around um, challenging the idea of white privilege or challenging the idea of Black Lives Matter and saying all lives matter is is fundamentally not wanting to acknowledge and to listen to the issues at, at, at the issues at, at at heart because it's been explained again and again is like white privilege is not saying every white person is going to be a millionaire, but the whole point is that as a social group. You are less likely. You are you are more likely to to get X, Y, and Z. You are less likely to experience you know discrimination when it comes to job, when it comes to um, pay, when it comes to um, kind of the criminal justice system, when it comes to the, the NHS. So um, all the kind of markers around in society, you are you are less likely to be disproportionately impacted if you are if you are not black or so if you're white or, or, or not black so that's the issues around black, black lives matter is not to say our lives our lives matter more is the fact basically is that our is that is that our lives our, our lives matter as well yes exactly. um, so 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 is so so i think that sometimes there's a bit of people being um disingenuous mm. when they are when they are arguing against against some of these things yeah, because, I mean, it's pretty obvious that people are saying, you know, we matter too and not we matter more, because um, that, that just wouldn't make sense. Um, yeah. You know, and, um, you know, people people know, you know, people just want to be treated, um, you know, they want they, they want to be treated, they want their birthright, which is to just be yeah. able to go around your business, go about your business, go about your day and not end up in a, in a body bag, you know. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's not really a lot um, for, for people to ask to say, you yeah. know, I just want to just want to go around uh, my day, you know, about my day, and not feel, you know, threatened, not feel that, you know, am I going to come back, you know, if I'm in a car, and you know, especially for for men, black men, feeling very, um, you know, uncomfortable. Someone sent me a video recently of two men being taken out of their car. They were driving a nice car. And yeah. got, um, I think they got handcuffed and all the rest of it. In the end, they had to let them go because everything was 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 above board. Everything was in order. And um, you know, this is happening all the time. Um, yeah. And um, it's the, like we were talking about the stress that is building up in all these different you know areas. Um, yeah. What I want to talk to you quickly about, and I, don't, I know I'm taking up a lot of your time here, but young people, um, what about, yeah. what would you say about our young people today? Because there is a lot going on there, um, hearing about, you know, young men in particular committing suicide, or I don't know if it's men in general or young men, but I know that I've heard things around, you know, young people and them having their own stresses and not feeling heard, not feeling understood by the older community. There seems to be a divide, you know, that, you know, and I don't know if it's getting better or getting worse. What What do you think based on, you know, what you what you know about this? 
I mean, the, um, the suicide rates for, for men are really, really bad. I think it's men be, be, um, between certain certain kind of age groups and age groups. So um, I haven't got it to hand, but it's for uh, a certain age group. Um, the suicide rates are really bad. And I think men make up the disproportionate amounts of, of kind of like the, the, the global suicide figures um, in terms of like the numbers that die every every year in this country. The majority of them are, are, are men. Within within a certain age group, so there is a real problem around um, how men are kind of feeling around their lives and uh, a sense of hopelessness, um, powerlessness, also how they manage their emotions before they get to that point. How how do they manage the challenges that they feel they are facing before they get to the point of feeling as though um, committing suicide to end particularly um, emotional pain or feeling um, how, how, how the feeling is the only solution. Um, so, so there's a lot of things around how are we raising and socialising our men to, to deal with, with the challenges that they're facing in their lives. Um, so that's, again, that's a, that's a, a collective issue as well. Um, because quite often I feel that we, we try to fix, we, we try to fix the individual without addressing the system that they are operating in, um, and sometimes some of these things, if this, if this pattern of of deaths has been happening for uh, for for a number of years, then we then how do we how do we learn from from the the patterns that that are are being exhibited rather than trying to fix the, the, rather trying to fix the the individual? So that's 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 something for um, let's say a slightly different um, slant on that. In terms of um, young people, um, and I think it's, it's all about re- resilience. It's all about um, kind of how how are we again nurturing them and, and raising them and giving them the, the, the tools to to thrive in in their lives. Um, and if they, if particularly if some children are living in vulnerable communities, then is that going to be, is that, is that providing them the best means for them to thrive in their lives? Because children need stability, they need safety, they need security, they need um, consistency. And if you don't, if they don't have that, whether it's in the home or outside of the home, then they're less likely to be able to thrive. So again, it's, it's what social economic environment um, conditions are we creating for them to enable them to thrive? Yeah, and um, I suspect as well. It, it also, what are, you know, what are they consuming? Not just what are they consuming, you know, in eating, but what are they consuming? Yeah. You know, as, as you were saying there. Um, yeah. So parents um, have to be more vigilant with with those things. Is is what you're saying? Yeah, in the home, definitely. I mean, I said in in the home, there's there's a role to play for for family for for parents of of their children in the home, but also they can't necessarily don't necessarily legislate um, for the conditions outside of the home. So it's, it's almost like, but it's how do you, to certain degrees, how much, how can you instill certain core values and principles for them to operate by once they step out of the door? Um, but also we can't we also we can't forget that. Um, the external environment is also very, very um, sometimes intoxicating. Also, very, very pre- also, also, also very pressurized as well. <laughs> Excuse me. So, so it's 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 
is work on on again it's work on on many levels is work on many levels um but uh, i think the 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 best or the one of the best the, the the best kind of buffers and mediators for 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 young people again is going to be um a healthy fiber family system and so it's how so how do we create communities where where there is healthy relationships and healthy families um first and foremost and then and then hopefully that will give them the the, the platform to to step out into the world um as best as possible but also we can't we can't underestimate the the, the pressure and the pressure that the outside the family home can have on many on many, on many young people in terms of the the the, the pressure to almost to survive daily um the, the the social environment outside of the home and, and i mean that in itself um i was just thinking back in the old days when i was a child and um just what the children have to go through now like you say you know there's so much peer pressure and um, they're having to deal with it on their own. They're probably not even able to talk to their parents and, and elders about these things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, how can parents, you know, get, like you mentioned about, you know, men, young men taking their lives. Um, and, you know, obviously people thinking about fixing them, but maybe it's the world that we live in that is all wrong and what is causing a lot of the, pro- the, the problems. So. Um, how would you say families, parents, friends, you know, the community at large? And again, back in the old days, we had community. You know, you couldn't go down the road and do something without somebody pulling you up. Who they didn't have to be yeah. you. They just saw yeah. you. They know you're a black child. You belong to somebody in the community. And uh, yeah. yeah, and we don't have that anymore. It, it's like, you know, it, it's all changed. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like unfortunately because like I said it's, we are where we are right now. But as much as possible, it's trying for it's for, it's trying to nurture those 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 good relationships as much as possible. Um, particularly if you're from a a larger family network and of like you know cousins and aunts and so forth, it's, it's trying to nurture and almost like given almost like given 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 permission and now being explicit because before it was implicit permission. Now it's explicit permission to say, like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I've told this person to look out for you. So if they, I've told them that if they see you doing this, that they, they they're gonna, they, they can do this, or, or they're gonna come back to me. So maybe in a way, we, we, we start building explicit permissions for, for, um, for our external network to also step in. Because I think now it's become very it's become very, very reduced like you said before there was an implicit idea that we can we can kind of pull up yeah anyone that yeah yeah but yeah but yeah but overall really like people and and all, all everybody oh, not everybody we just need to try to nurture um healthy healthy relationships as much as possible but then this, this is this is where issues around intergenerational trauma um and, and trauma in the community now also uh, is interfering with that because you can't you can't model healthy relationships if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself and or, or if you or, or or if you've had unresolved trauma that hasn't that hasn't been dealt with that will interfere with your capacity to to form and to and to and to and to have healthy and have healthy relationship have healthy healthy behaviors um, so. 
almost like we can't have it both ways because there needs to be that those those wounds need to be that need to be dealt with as well and um, to, to enable people to be able to have the ability and capacity to have healthy relationships again. Yeah, so the, the wounds that are many in the community, um, you know, they need to be taken care of. Um, you know, I mean, gosh, there's, there's lots to do, isn't there, Kwame? Lots to do. It can, it can feel that way. It can definitely feel that way. Um, but it's, it's But we have to kind of do what we can do, but just trying to nurture and model and do the right things as much as possible. Um, and if you recognize, particularly starting with, with kind of the individual starting with yourself, if you recognize that there are things, there are, there are things to deal with, then you have to do that work. So your self-care and anything that underlines things that you haven't dealt with, you know, get onto them because these things yeah. do not go away. They just get suppressed and they come out later and they don't come out yeah. in a good way, you know, when you least exactly. expect. Exactly. You know, when you, they come out in the wrong places at the wrong time and yeah. it's better to unpack them and yeah. deal with them rather than yeah. have them, you know, yeah. coming because, 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 I mean, like I said, even part of our conversation today, we're talking about the youth and we're talking about the, the, the next generation but the next generation relies on us for as 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 their direct and immediate role models they learn from what they see from what they experience uh, implicitly explicitly so if we say we want the best for for the next generation we as much as possible have to model that and and that's all and that's all kind of like socially politically economically um, relationally, all these things we have to model that for them to see firsthand, so that so that they can learn from it and kind of absorb it and embody it. Um, so, quite, so as I said, it's a part part of thing we can. A lot of people can can like talk about these ideas and so forth, but they not they may not necessarily demonstrate it in their personal lives. Yeah. So then that also, that also creates a a lack of um, what's the word? It kind of it, it's um, no it's Congress. it's. Yeah, it's, it's not congruent, um, and it's a sense of actually, can I like lack of? I'll say, it's not, it's not, it's not consistent. It's not, it's not kind of coherent in terms of like again the whole idea of you, you're talking the talk, but you're not you're walking not the walk. Walking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and yeah, sorry. No, no, no. So I'm saying, you know, people in general, you know, because um, like you say, you're so right. The young people are really just always going to be a reflection. Of what the, the the previous generation, you know, have, have have done or not done, and you know, they just literally they just really represent, you know, everything that we you know that we've done right and everything that we've done wrong. Mm. The the fruit mm. of the tree, as they like to say. So, yeah, I mean, in some aspects, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, when you say when you say some aspects, uh, do you mean like there's other things going on? Because as well, I do also understand that there's external influences that maybe yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe yeah. that maybe um, people are not able to see parents and and other you know old, the you know the older generation, the generation before, are not always able to to kind of um, pick up on. Um, yes, you know uh, most yeah. sort of you know. Children going to school, we, you don't really know what is being put, poured, poured into them. You don't know the little nuances and the little, um, you know, the things that go on that, that 
gets captured by the subconscious and you know stays with the child um yeah so many things are going you know that parents don't always um have access to or are able to deal with so yeah but what you're saying is if if the community takes care of you know what they need to take care of it will make a big difference even if those outside things are still out there yeah yeah, so that's what, and I, and I think because sometimes there can be a tendency to um, say everything, everything's out, everything's our fault. We need to do this, we need to do. This. And I think sometimes we we can beat ourselves up over like the fact that I'm um, like we don't we carry full responsibility when actually responsibility is is, is a shared responsibility. Obviously, there's things that we we need to deal with within ourselves as a community and as individuals, but also there is there is the external environment in terms of. Um, the, again, the social political environment that it's created that enables certain things to thrive as well, or, or certain things to happen. Um, so, so um, it's 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 we can't. Yeah, so, so I think sometimes we we are we 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 we, we over um, ascribe to blame in terms of mm. we, we, put, we, put, we put all the blame on ourselves. That's very true. Yeah, and and that's something that definitely. Um, you know, it's not true. It's not. It's not true that because you know most people care and most people try to do what they the best they can with themselves and the younger people. Yeah. Um, but there are other forces that can make that a difficult, um, you know, difficult journey. Wow. Kwame, yeah. how can people get hold of you? How can they find you? What are you doing on social media? Um, so social, socials as they say. Social, so I'm, I'm mainly uh, on um, Instagram. So it's Kwame Poker Counseling, and my website in terms of people contacting me in terms, um, for, um, for for therapy is um, kind of kwamepoker.com, um, and then through that uh, you can get my emails on there and uh, my numbers on there as well. Um, and I think the main thing that I've done. Um, it's been a labour of love, but um, I did some work with Dr. Elaine Arnold, who is uh, who 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 found who's a founder of um, supported relationships and families, um, and it's particularly that particular organisation was looking at um, kind of the experiences of um, within the African Caribbean um, community in relation to broken attachments or essentially relate relationships within within Caribbean families. Um, and the idea really was that quite often when we talk about immigration and particularly with Windrush and the Windrush, Windrush scandal, um, the experiences that were highlighted were talking about um, the hostile environment that a lot of people experienced when they came over to this country, um, which is, again, um, very, very true, but also an unspoken aspect of, um, of migration from, from the Caribbean, from Africa, is the impact it's had on so many thousands of families where a lot of, let's say, children were left behind in the Caribbean um, or were left behind in, in, from the various different African countries um, when their parents came over. And without, let's say, the lack, without the, without uh, being informed of the potential impact mm-hmm. that this that this would have, it's left a lot of, a, a generation of, of um, family relationships where there's a lot of pain because there was there was um, experiences of separation, but also of, of poor 
reconnection when when children came back to were re, were reunited with families it wasn't necessarily handled in the way that it could have been handled um so there's a lot of um family disruption a lot of um of um of wounds from from those experiences that haven't been addressed and haven't been processed by by a lot of people um and from the african perspective um on 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 migration as well was within the west african community particularly ghanians and nigerians um there was a a practice of um placing children with um white foster parents um in different parts of the country for various periods of time and again that that has a, that has a legacy of its own that hasn't really been spoken about to a great depth um but it's come up in a few films recently um one film was called Farmen um that was and then another film called The Last Tree which which explores the impact sorry no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm writing this down. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So Farman um, follows. It's like a it's like a biopic of um, an actor. I can't. It's it's um, Adewale, um, and he's a uh, he's an actor. And, uh, he's a Hollywood actor, and, and he kind of this this was a, like a labor of love of of turning his his life story into a film, um, and talks about he at one point he becomes um, a skinhead. He joins a skinhead. Um, group that were bullying him, and he actually becomes part of them um, to for many different reasons: for self-protection, for kind of uh, kind of let's say identifying with their aggressor, all these kinds of things. Um, but that was a level of um, distress, you could say, um, identity crisis that that led him to do what he did. But these are some of the outcomes of being in such a, a, a stressful environment, um, dealing with. All these kind of different issues. So, within the African community, there was this also this phenomenon called the uh, um, kind of farming or fostering um, children to, um, to to white um, foster families um, for for like I said, sometimes a few weeks old, and then people will stay for years and years and years. So, this is the, so so there was so much out of that, but it all came off the back of of migration. To this country, and people trying to find ways of navigating British society for one for one reason or the other, um, but it's like a consequence of that. And and again, it hasn't been given that much um, that much light in a way to to talk about the, the legacy of this and the impact of this on Black families um, within within our communities. But I think the legacy still lives on in how it influences how then people became went on to form relationships as adults um, and then and how and how they, they navigate personal and kind of sometimes professional um, relationships as well. So it would have impacted them in, in a negatively and um, it would have shown for some their, people some, yeah. yeah and some people would yeah. find a way to to kind of deal with it maybe work on themselves or what have you. So, it's I mean it, Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say because essentially because they talk about childhood separation is one of the is one of the things that can cause um, separation from a parent is one of the things that can cause trauma in childhood. So it's not to say that everybody was was affected in a detrimental way, but it had it had a capacity and for to to do that. And and there are a number of I mean first hand stories that I know of, and there's a number of people I've spoken about 
how traumatic it was for them to have gone through this um and particularly with, with the reunion part of it as well i think was quite often very traumatic sometimes if people have come over from the caribbean um and they've meeting siblings that they haven't met before um they are coming into situations where it might be a new parent um there's a culture shock of coming into a new country um and then if you've got siblings quite often there's there's a culture difference between yourself and and the siblings that were born in in, in this country um and also it's the fact that sometimes you were placed in a as a as a surrogate parent straight away so you so you've left the comforts of of um maybe grandparents aunties mm-hmm. um wherever who whoever's looking after you and then you come into situation where you are now let's say a second mom or a second dad or you're, you'll be told that it's not you are now responsible for looking after your siblings and you're trying to adjust to everything that's happening but also you're dealing with the loss of your relationships back home mm-hmm. so so there's all these things that that a lot of people were going through um and then apart from this resentment there is um lack of understanding there's lack of allowing children to become children because they kind of go straight into becoming as a pseudo parents so there's so much so much stuff around that as well um so yeah so all these things if it hasn't been addressed then it becomes what has happened to it and and, and how is it impacting on, on on their lives even now yes yeah, so, yeah i can see that how you know because it's like these children coming over they you know they come in to be you know meet their parents and feel like yeah i'm here with mummy i'm here with daddy and like you say you know they come to a totally different experience and not to mention whatever's going on at home they're meeting austerity outside as well because exactly. you know, this is not the exactly. it's not always the most um welcoming you know place to be exactly so yeah so those are so, people that um are coming through who have got you know is is that kind of what you're saying in terms of um needing specific mental health um you know aid they they might do i think the the i was saying it to say that i, I created um, an information sheet with um dr elaine arnold um and it was just to kind of give people really a highlight of that because it's quite it can be quite complex information but i wanted to give something that was accessible um so i created an information sheet really going through um some of the 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 basic information about the impact of these separations um but also the principle is 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 still is still relevant today in terms of if there is um separation between a parent and a child or a caregiver and a child there might be something that there might be a, an impact on that and someone's like how best to mitigate those that impact or, or to navigate it um and rather than making assumptions that the child will be okay uh, or I'm making the best decision on behalf of the child so so they'll be fine but actually um when you separate a child from 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 the caregiver or the parent depending on the age it can be very very detrimental if it's if it's not managed well um and it can create a wound that lasts um a lifetime but the information but the but the information sheet was really that 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 um um I put together with um, Dr Dr Arnold um is was really trying to trying to give people um some some rough I some rough some not so rough but mm-hmm. a basic idea 
um, as hopefully as simple and as uh, digestible as possible, um, and people can get that um, that information sheet um, from from my website, or if they contact me, and then I can I can I can email them a copy, um, or I would send for them to read and and, and to share. But a lot of people have found it useful because um, it kind of speaks to the unspoken experiences of um, a lot of people. How, um, um, the, can you just repeat your website and email again if people want to get in contact to receive that? Okay, so my website is um, kind of like like kind of like the W's and it's kwameopoku.com. So it's k w a m e o p o k u dot com, um, and then from that you can, you can my, my email is on there, so you can just drop me an email, and if you want a copy and that, or it's on my it's on it's on my, it's on the website itself as well, and on the blog page, so. They can get a copy from that, but any issues, um, definitely you can you can find find me on on, on Instagram or, or email me, and then um, I can I can forward a copy. Oh, awesome. So Kwame, um, any 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 last last words to anyone listening, anybody who might be going through depression or feeling a little bit low or feeling oh my god, you know, um, they're scared maybe to talk to a counselor, psychotherapist. And, and can you can you kind of just um, yeah allay people's fears if they do if they're not sure they're feeling oh my god you know can you give the benefits of what can happen in these sessions? Um, sessions, uh, it's really it's 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 hard to say without the direct experience, but ultimately it's a place for you to uh, it's a platform for change. It's a platform to 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 speak your mind, to share, to learn, um, to practice. It's a, it's a multifaceted space and, and for, for some people, first and foremost, it's a place to be heard in a way for them to talk without be without feeling judged, without feeling that they, they need to self-censor. Um, it's a place to, to kind of kind of speak your truth really and, and, and learn and, and learn to become your your truthful self. Uh, but it's also a place to to test and to practice um, how you are in relationships. It's a it's an opportunity to to gain awareness and gain insight. Um, and and that will be the insight that, that will give you a platform for change in your personal life. Um, it's not a place that will kind of cure you of your past experiences, but it will help you to not be controlled by it. Um, and and I think, and I think that's the difference between um, that, that idea that that therapy is a cure. It's like it's, it's you can't we can never undo the past, but, but but we can, but we can influence how the past has an impact on us in the present. Um, and um, in terms of therapy. Um, it is becoming more and more accessible um, for anyone that's seeking specifically um, black um, black therapists. Um, the the go to directory that I recommend is um, is Barton, which is the Black African and Asian Therapy Network. Um, so you can search for that. They have a directory, um, and really, um, if you are seeking therapy as well, is is that find um two or three therapists that you um that that you may want to work with have a conversation with them do a cons most therapists will all offer a consultation um and because really the relationship with, with the therapist is going to be the bedrock of doing good work so 
that's a part of that. That's what I would always advocate is is trying to find the, the person that you feel you feel most comfortable with and you feel that you are connected with so that you can do that good work with.